This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Well, after that boring game, let's try to find something to talk about. I'm Zach Jackson. He's Jason Lloyd. The Cleveland Browns, for the first time since 2001, are 3-1. and one. They went to Dallas, and there was never a doubt until there was. <laughs> in a nine-minute span in the fourth quarter, the teams combined for four touchdowns, two point conver- uh, four two-point conversions. The Browns came off a block kick, which they recovered. They scored 49 points. They gave up 502 passing yards. Their leading rusher was Dearness Johnson. Did I mention they won the game? Jason, welcome. Wow. I, I'm, I'm sticking back to 2001 and what life was like in 2001. Like, you know, flip phones. I was 25 and covering Ohio State. And and that's going back a long, long time. What a game. What a performance. So much to get into. So impressed with Kevin Stefanski. Uh, his play calling, his handling of the game. I didn't like at the end. It seemed like the defense let up a little bit. But, boy, that's just to leave here feeling like this 3-1. and one, There's a lot to feel good about right now. Yeah, so I, I want to throw this out to you. Um, we don't know what's up with Nick Chubb. Right. We know the Browns clearly have some warts and, and clearly made that somewhere between a little bit and a lot more interesting than it needed to be. Um, we don't know what you know tomorrow will bring, how both defense starting defensive tackles, who are two of the Browns' 10 or 12 best players, got hurt. You, know, you hope that's minor. And obviously the pass defense has major issues. But without – any lick of data or, or even a stat page open in front of me because my computer just folded or froze as I tried to bring it up, Jason. What if this today's NFL is just that it doesn't matter that you suck on defense. If you just score and you, you and you create a couple turnovers every game and you use the run game as some of your best defense, what if you could win 10 games that way? Then maybe the Browns would win 10, 12 games that way. You just, you just described the Seahawks, did you not? Like that comes yeah. to mind right away. Uh, obviously, Seattle's got a little bit better quarterback than the Browns do, but yeah, yeah, you you can win that way. And I particularly think, and we've said this, I, I wrote this after Week One. If you can run the ball and control the clock, you can absolutely win that way. And 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 hey, listen, the the biggest thing that I take from this, and I I mean, I had three column ideas at halftime, and that's a rarity with the way that this team operates. The Browns have an identity, and they stuck to that identity. And they fall behind 14 to 7. Nick Chubb's out of the game and they ran the ball. And I thought, by God, the Browns have an identity and they know what they want to do. They know how they're going to get there. That stood out to me. And, and you could say, well, yeah, they got a terrific backup in Kareem Hunt. Well, he's big dinged up and banged up. So to stick with the run at that moment in that time, they didn't panic. I felt like they panicked when they fell behind week one at Baltimore. They fell behind and, and forgot about Nick Chubb. That didn't happen this time. They kept running the ball. They kept running the ball. I was so impressed. I can't say enough about the final drive before halftime. I love what Stefanski did. The fact that they ran the ball on second down. There's like two minutes left. If you you know if Freddie's back there, he's even at 40 yards down the field for a second <laughs> and third down. But they ran it on second down. You're going to run time off the clock because if you don't get it, you don't want to leave Dallas any time to go the other way. So you run it on second down, you convert on third down, timeout, go. And now they get it down the field to kick the field goal and you get the ball to start the third quarter. I thought it was just absolute precision. It was perfection in the play calling. How often have we said that? The game management was spot on. And then when you need a play, I hated the play call and I saw you tweeted it, you did too. 
I didn't like the third down, the home run ball to, to Odell down the sideline, when all you need is a first down to keep the clock moving. They go for the kill shot. Baker missed terribly. And then to come back on the reverse to Odell, I thought it was an awful play call. But it worked. It worked. I mean, they, they had it set up. You know, there was one guy to beat and Odell beat him. But what that told me was, hey, we got to make a play. We're going to put it in our biggest playmaker's hands. They went to Odell on back-to-back plays when they were looking for a big play, and he delivered. Yeah, I, there were a couple Freddie Stefanski moments there, no doubt, and I, and I want to get to that. But you say identity. Um, that's a buzzword. It's an important word. Uh, you know, I don't think it's cliche, and we all get into these football cliches, right? Um, in addition to doing that, sticking with it, playing like a smart team, believing in yourself, you know, the Browns are sticking with the run. They have a dominant ass-kicking offensive line, right? Two weeks in a row, they not only first force the turnovers, they score on them, which is the winning formula, no matter how you slice it. And two weeks in a row, they have some major second-half adversity, which considering how early it is in the season, to me is so important, Jason. Especially this team, where everything's new, where week one went so poorly and was not really a surprise. You're still kind of feeling your way through things. You go, you've snapped that long road losing streak. You hang on at the end and really look at the last six quarters of the Browns. You see great potential. You see flair in the offense and power in the offense and Odell Beckham and Miles Garrett taking over. You also see some head scratching, really worrisome things, but they won both games. And momentum is real. And you combine that with an identity with a little bit of proof, a few games anyway, that your coach isn't going to lose his mind, the guys are going to keep their composure, that Miles is going to make a big play when you need him to. And hell, you have, I mean, like I said, you, you you can in no way say you have one ounce of trust in this pass defense. But when you slice up the Browns three and one start, it is hard to give them anything other than really good grades in most areas, both for what's been done and how you feel about it going forward for what it means for this season and for this organization finally trying to be a competent, competitive, NFL-relevant organization. And I saw a lot of people on social media trying to poo-poo this as like, you know, Dallas is a trash defense. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, they do. You hung 31 on them in the first half. Seattle, with the best quarterback in the NFL, scored what, 38? So it's not like it's not like they scored 21 or 24 against a bad defense. They made their opportunities. They cashed in on their opportunities. And they kicked the ass of another NFL team for most of the game until, you know, things got a little bit tight at the end. And Zach, how many times have you told me that the NFL is built to be close games and and it's all NFL talent and it's all relative? Look what the Browns did to this America's team. And again, I understand they're not good defensively. I'm not going to take anything away from that performance, though, because of that because of what they did and how dominant they were. You can't dismiss this as that's a bad NFL defense. We've seen plenty of bad NFL defenses in Cleveland (laughs) that didn't give up 31 and a half against a team that you're not sure what they are. Full credit all the way from me for that. That was a, that was a, just a defining performance. Yeah. Um, 30 first downs in the first three quarters. Insane. That, yeah, that, that's Ohio State. Play, that's Ohio State in a September MAC game, right? Yeah. That's your local high school that just runs the ball, runs the same six plays, and is playing an overmatched opponent. Thirty first downs in three quarters. <laughs> when, when, Again, when you... Dearness Johnson, um, your leading rusher. And listen, 
first of all, credit the Ernest Johnson, credit Stump Mitchell, who's the running backs coach, run game coordinator, yep. for whatever that means. Um, Bill Callahan for his work. Yeah, on the Bill Callahan. Line. The list goes on. So, like, look, you know, Nick Chubb only got, or I mean, Kareem Hunt, excuse me, only got 11 carries and he scored the two touchdowns and he's a supreme talent. He's not right. He's not well. We'll see. And we don't know what's going to happen with Nick Chubb. And that's a big deal because Nick Chubb is, is your best player or your second best player and drives everything with this offense. But to have those guys ready, to have them perform, I mean, a lot of people would would have said Dearness Johnson was going to be on the practice squad, right? Like, he he played in the AAF. He made the team last year because he stepped up in pass pro in the training camp and hit some linebacker so hard that everybody heard it for miles around. And he played special teams, and he finally made an NFL paycheck. And here he is running his ass off today, leading you, rushing, running through arm tackles and moving the chains as you're trying to protect this lead. And so like, you know, Wyatt Teller, who a lot of people thought wouldn't win the right guard job is playing at an extremely high level, like to, to appreciate offensive line play. Most times, not only do you have to know the nuances of it, but you have to go back and watch on the coach's film and specifically watch the linemen from above. Well, you just watch on TV and Wyatt Teller is blocking two guys on a lot of plays. Like, the rookie left tackle, yeah, he's had some some hiccups, but between the coaching and the guys around him and his own athletic ability, like they are mauling people. And you're and, right, and, down and that's exactly, stinks, but they're mauling and, well, people. And that's where I wanted to go with this. Why is this? I mean, think about how much time we spent on the offensive line last year talking about how horrible the offensive line was. How could it flip this fast? Is it when really Jedrick Wills is the only is the only change? Is that well? I guess. Conklin at right tackle as well, so so yeah. maybe that's it. And but is it is it Callahan? Is it the personnel changes? I mean, they were just destroying Dallas at the point of attack. They were moving bodies three yards backwards. So impressive. I haven't seen that type of dominant performance out of a Browns offensive line as a unit in quite a while. They've had some good offensive lines over the years, even though they've had some crap teams. They've had some good lines, but I don't remember a Browns line manhandling guys up front like we saw today. Uh, you have to go back to 2014 when they were doing this before uh, Alex Mack got hurt, period. Yeah, yeah. You know, that that's what it is. It's a similar system. It's a similar setup. And when you can run, you can cover up a lot of things. So, um, all right. Stephane, you know, the, the, the deep one on the third down to Odell. Um, we don't know for sure that was the first read. Obviously, it's going to be there. And Odell had abused Daryl Worley all day. You know, we, we would have to know from Odell – from Stefanski and from Baker, what was really going there. But the end around that goes for 50 yard clinching touchdown, he runs 90 yards and he comes an inch from losing 15 <laughs> yards. Um, you know, that was just my gut reaction, like terrible play call. And obviously it worked. And so I'm wrong. Um, you know, I want to credit the man. I'm speaking of Kevin Stefanski for, for knowing Everybody in that stadium, specifically the 11 guys on Dallas's defense, are expecting an off-tackle play there. So you you go in and you do that, right? Um, and they definitely caught him because once he slipped that tackle, nobody was home. Uh, not that that wasn't a superhuman play because it was, but it, it, it was well-designed. Just tell me what you're thinking when you see that. <laughs> um, because I saw it coming and I thought, oh, my goodness, I can't believe they're actually doing this. I agree. And I, it, you know what I thought? I almost tweeted it. I'm glad I didn't because what it turned out to be not true was Baker's going to have to make a throw for them to win this game. Like it's obvious at this point, he's going to have to make a throw, a, a real big boy throw. 
and and they they showed the tight shot of him on the sideline, and, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but that did not exude confidence in me. Like if you go back and watch the replay of the game, after Dallas scores to cut it to three, they cut to Baker, and he had a no shit look on his face, and it did look to me like a quarterback who was ready to march his team down the field. And I thought, buddy, you know, he missed badly on the Odell down the sideline. He's going to have to come up with a big play here to run this clock out. And and obviously that didn't turn out to be the case because Odell did it for him. Uh, but I just, again, I, I said it earlier, but that to me, that struck me as Stefanski saying, Odell Beckham Jr. is still our biggest home run threat. He's still the biggest playmaker on this team, whether it's a running team or not. Odell's the one that can hit you a home run from any point on the field. And two plays in a row, they tried getting it to him. Baker missed badly down the sideline, and then he came back on the reverse. My initial thought was like you. I was like, oh, my God in heaven, it's a 15-yard loss, and Dallas is going to win this game. Uh, didn't turn out that way. Full credit to Odell. He had to make one guy miss, and he did. Well, I think you make a great point there because in that situation, we know what Stefanski's thinking, which is you know everyone's expects the same power run behind left tackle or behind right tackle, right, as we've done. And so what can you do off of that? You could run a quick trap with the fullback and maybe catch him sleeping and he gets four yards. Yep. Or you could run one of those super quick fake play actions where you know it's going to be completed and you get your tight end out there. And he might get dropped for a loss of one or he might make a guy miss. But you make the conscious decision to run that and to get it to the guy who at that time is the best player in the field. Kareem Hunt's not in the game, right? Um, and it works. And so it's brilliant. And – you know, o- Odell, um, a lot follows him. He he welcomes a lot of it. I think he understands his platform, his position in the league, his talent level, what he's done in the past. He wants it. Um, it seems like maybe not weekly, but it seems like a lot of times in the 18 months that he's been here, we've had a lot of discussions on many levels about whether he's worth the hassle. Today he is. I mean – he and Kareem Hunt, when you look at how the Browns are constructed, are the guys that can take you from sputtering to going and from good to great, right? And, you know, now you might need Kareem Hunt as your feature back. And if you get a great Odell Beckham and defenses have to adjust to that, um, I think that just plays right into the Browns' hands. And, again, I, I, you know, you can nitpick a lot of things. And, really, I can continue to nitpick the front office for thinking the back seven of this defense had any prayer. But Kevin Stefanski, to me, over the last three games, has done one hell of a job coaching this football team. Just to touch on Odell before circling back to Stefanski, to me, that's his best game as a Brown. Like, before today, it was the Jets game at New York. He had the big touchdown catch, catch and run down the sideline. This, for a variety of reasons, this to me feels like his best game. Uh, Maybe that goes without saying. Maybe that's a no-dust statement. I I, I don't know. But the, the huge... Touchdown catch off Jarvis on the reverse. Stefanski said he had that one on his play call sheet staring at him for a while. And he told those guys this week he wasn't going to go another week without using it. Uh, Terrific throw from Jarvis, who may have the best arm on the team, just threw an absolute dart (laughs) to Odell. And then Odell on the reverse to end it. Uh, To me, it felt like Beckham's best game. And, and, And when you talk about Stefanski, you know, my biggest complaint, if we go back to last year with doing this pod, Zach, I didn't see improvement, and we talked about that a few different times. The team was regressing. There were very few areas where you could identify that that things were getting better. 
And I think we are looking at this every single week from Baltimore to now, and we see progress. We see progress across the board. Even as bad as Baltimore was, I told, I said in the podcast and I wrote after the game, yes, it was bad, but it looked like a competent sideline. They were getting the play calls in on time. Baker had time at the line to, uh, to assess the defense. It looked like an actual NFL team. They built on that week after week after week. And, you know, I, I, I tweeted that I, I try not to, you know, get too much with the hyperbole and to be too dramatic. But this feels like a statement win to me. And if Kevin Stefanski is the guy that ultimately turns us around, we're going to go back and look at this game as, as the game that, you know, everyone, saw, I think, bought in and believed in Kevin Stefanski. Now, if he falls apart, obviously that doesn't hold. Yeah. But if he's the one, we're going to look back at this day. And I had a couple people on Twitter be like, well, that's what you thought after game four last year in Baltimore. And I never felt that way about Freddie, ever, 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 never. From the opener to the Rams, I think, you know, after week three against the Rams, I, I, I pretty much wrote him off at that point that this is never going to work with this guy. And now to have the big win in week four, just like last year at Baltimore, they get a big win at week four. They're two and two and in first place and everyone thinks, okay, here we go. Well, now you're three and one. You go on the road again. You win at a big time venue like Dallas and everyone thinks, okay, here we go. And I asked Baker that after the game, does this feel at all like last year, the big win in Baltimore? What's different about it? And and how can you build off this? And he said, nothing about this feels like last year. So, and, and, and that's true. You know, I, I think that's pretty obvious. Nothing about this to this point feels like last year, but I think it's an important difference to make when, when you look at Baltimore. Yeah, it was a great win, but nothing that happened before that or after that felt like it was anything more than an anomaly. And to this day, I can't explain what happened last year in Baltimore, but I can explain this because we've seen progress. We've seen improvement. We've seen this team getting better from week one to week two to week three to now. Yeah, um, I didn't do the week four to week four correlation. Um, but e- even now, as I'm starting to do that, uh, there's no doubt this is a statement win, Jason. And and it doesn't mean that it brings good news on, on the Monday morning injury report, right? It doesn't right. mean, did you start next week's game up 14 nothing? That's for sure. Uh, it doesn't mean you've solved a lot of things. And, you know, maybe because I've been around for so long, I'm a little hesitant to buy it. Maybe because I see part of the ownership group, Twitter victory lapping and taking on the media oh and against them. I, I mean, it's flat that. out embarrassing. That's embarrassing. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's stuff this organization has to over, has to get past. So we'll see. But in this moment right now, like, I don't know. I, I don't, I could not possibly have enough game balls for the head coach, for the offensive line coach, for the running back coach, for all five offensive linemen, for Odell Beckham, for Garrett, for Denzel for making that play, right? Like the Browns were underdogs today for a reason. History was against them. The fact that they can't cover a pass and they were guarding or trying to guard that star-studded receiving group was against them. They got the job done. Um, It got wild. It turned into a video game. They got the job done. That is, it's it's big in terms of many many areas, and I'll take it. So the statement is, we're here, we're real. We we have talent that's been established, that's out there. We're starting to back it up. We can win a road game. We can win in different ways, and most importantly, we can really run the shit out of the football. So here we come, and again, huge news awaits on Nick Chubb and on Kareem Hunt. Right? I mean, I think you're looking at a situation where Kareem's not going to be able to practice. Until he gets well. But <laughs> he's dynamite. Um, five and a half yards a touch the last two weeks. 11 carries, 71 yards, two touchdowns. 
in this game, um, has seen it, you know, cuts, runs with power, finishes his runs. Um, and again, just I, I really, really impressed by the whole offensive operation. As we were setting up for this toward the end of the game and our fabulous producer, Marissa Morris, who makes us sound much smarter than we are week in and week out on the podcast, <laughs> slacked us and said, what time do we want to pod? And Or you said that. And Marissa said, I thought we'd throw a parade instead of pod. <laughs> I just thought, yeah, Cleveland's pretty good with the parades. The, today may warrant a parade with the game the way it was at the time. And then Marissa told us she was afraid she jinxed the whole thing. Is The whole thing came unraveling in the fourth quarter. But, you know, even then, you know, give this team credit for a way to figure out how to hold on when, you know, how many times, I know we've said this already at least once this year, that's a game the old Browns would have lost. That's a game the old Browns would have lost. Even up as much as they were in the fourth quarter, you could you could see a path to where this is a game the old Browns would have lost. And they figured it out. They made just enough plays at the end of the game to win. Uh, you know, it, it's funny because everyone thinks that the media is so hard on the Browns. What have they done in 20 years to warrant any sort of faith and hope and trust? And yet at the same time, three and one leaving Dallas with a win like this, I want to believe that this time it's real. I want to. I'm not ready to yet because you'll make fun of me for being naive and dumb. But I, well, I'm, I'm getting close to No, believing. I'm not no, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna say this. Remember, you know, 15 minutes ago when I just threw out there, hey, you know, maybe in this league, if you could just force a couple turnovers and keep scoring, like maybe you can win. Well, just off the top of my head, the Texans haven't won a game. The Jets are not going to win a game. Yep. The Giants haven't won a game. Jacksonville's not trying to win many games. <laughs> the Eagles have no one. No one, no healthy bodies. Like the Browns have put themselves in a position to just run their way to ju- as I think as I wrote last week to just boring their way to at least eight. Why not yeah. 10? Yeah. I mean, now you, there's a quick answer for that. Have you seen the pass defense? <laughs> That's the quick answer. But but like Right now, and credit for to Kevin Stefanski among others, but it starts there because just because for historic reasons and for obvious reasons, like they've put themselves in position to go to go do that to make the playoffs right now and this year with no off season with all these moving parts. It's a long way from October fourth, I think, is today's date to January third when you play the Steelers. In two weeks from today is the Baker Mayfield on trial game, right? But yeah. The Browns can make the playoffs. They're in position. 100%. Absolutely. They're in position. Yeah. All right. Um, we're, 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 we got writing to do. We got other stuff to do. We appreciate you guys listening. Um, through the week, writing, do another podcast. You know, <laughs> the good part about them winning is there's interest. So many times when you cover the Browns, the off season's the season. Well, now we're a month into the season, and you're seeing some growth. You're seeing some development. There's a lot to get excited about. There's a home game next week. That was already at 425 for TV. Would not be shocked to see the following week's Steelers game get moved to 425. Um, There's already a marquee Sunday night game that week. But all these things that real NFL teams get to enjoy, outside attention, praise, their eye-popping stats that pop up on the ESPN ticker and on the front of websites and all all the run that these guys clearly want, uh, we'll see. So we'll get you out of here on this thought. Jason, right before the game started today, right before the broadcast, as they were lining up the kickoff, um, the announcers threw it down to sideline uh, uh, reporter Pam Oliver, who said she had talked at length with Baker. And Baker, I'm paraphrasing here, had said, 
this is different. This doesn't, I'm not saying this feels different. This is different. We'll see where it goes. Well, the Browns back that up for one game. And that's what we're watching. That's the temperature we're taking, right? Is this different? Can this continue to be different? If, it's, if it is, it's going to be a lot of fun the rest of the fall. I'm here for it. Quarter of the way through the season, four down, 12 to go. I can't wait to see where it takes us. Amen. Thanks for listening. Thanks for reading. Subscribe to The Athletic if you haven't. What are you waiting for? Talk to you in a few days with another edition of Civilized Podcast.